Welcome back to Entertainment Geekly, your guide to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and awesome. I'm Darren Franich, and with me, as always, from Cloud City, Entertainment Weekly's Jeff Jensen. Hey, Darren. How are you? Jeff, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we took a week off last week uh, to sort of let our uh, let our engines uh, simmer a little bit, but uh, we have a, re- a really exciting show for our listeners today. Uh, we're just going to dive right into the new fall TV season. It, it officially starts next week. A lot of interesting news shows, a lot of exciting shows uh, making their returns, and uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about our three must-geek shows, my three and Jeff's three, making six if my arithmetic uh, is correct. Jeff, I want to just dive right in here to a show that I'm really excited about. Uh, the The series premiere is available now. It's online. I've watched it, I think, maybe five times now. I, I've laughed. I've cried. Uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see if it can sustain what seems to me like a very unsustainable premise. Jeff, Last Resort is the show that I am most excited about this season. Uh, just to give a little bit of background for the listeners who don't know, who, who, who haven't heard about this show, this is, of course, the series where the crew of a nuclear submarine is ordered to fire a nuclear bomb, uh, a nuclear missile, rather, at Pakistan. They refuse. There's apparently some sort of conspiracy. They wind up taking over a tropical island it's it's crazy, Jeff. I I think it's it, it's fair to use that that word when describing this show. Well, be, before I kind of say yay or nay to the last resort, uh, like it made you cry. How the hell did this show make you cry, Darren? I I guess I should say it it made me cry with laughter, just because it is so. Uh, it, it sort of goes around the bend from being over the top to really sort of reaching this incredibly high pressure point. Uh, I had to write up a little bit something on it uh, for uh, for our website this weekend, and so I, I sort of like marked off how many things happened just in the first 10 minutes of this show and you have the introduction of what feels like a cast of about 25 to 30 people (laughs) you have this sort of very uh, you know Tony Scott-esque opening that's just really tense and there's sweat pouring everywhere there's America firing on its own people I mean what I want to kind of get at is there's a part in the series premiere not to spoil it too much where two nuclear missiles are fired at Pakistan and that's maybe the 10 Tenth most important subplot in the series premiere. <laughs> so I, I, I guess like I'm, I'm so sort of just taken by the sheer exuberance of of the premiere. Uh, I, I think that you know it, it, it certainly is operating at a much higher register than any other drama. And, you know, it's it, it, it comes from Sean Ryan, who also worked on The Shield, which is a show that I actually have never seen. It's a huge blind spot for me. But, you know, he, he also worked on Terriers. And this is just, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's 24 meets Lost meets The Hunt for Red October meets every other sort of interesting, you know, international action thriller you can imagine. And, you know, I, I think it's worth pointing out, Jeff, that I don't know what the second episode of this show even looks like. I mean, it, it, there so many different things are sort of thrown in the air in this first hour that, you know, it's hard to know, you know, does it just sort of sustain that? Does it try to better that each week? But I, I think it's fair to say it's, it's ambitious. And I think that more than anything is what sort of really intrigues me about Last Resort. I think that we probably shouldn't um, dive too deeply into Last Resort because I know you and I are going to spend a whole um, uh, episode of this podcast uh, dissecting it in the weeks to come. Suffice to say that, um, as you know, uh, I 
have a lot of affection for this show, too. In fact, it, it was bucking to be number three on my list. Um, I liked it, too. I kind of, uh, I, I, everything that you've said really registers with me. I, I loved how um, it, is, it is very piloty in the sense that it's all about setting up its premise. Everything that you've just said, you know, about what the premise of the show, everything's feels in service to that premise. That said, it, ha- it does something that I really admire from a lot of pilots, which is it just, it just starts and goes. Um, it reminds me of the pilot of 24 in the sense of, like, th- th- there isn't a lot of, like, uh, fluff or flab to sort of, like, uh, sink you into character or where it doesn't try too hard to make you like people, although it definitely has some of those elements. It just, it's, it's got this really p- propulsive narrative, and it just starts and it goes, and it travels a lot of ground in about 49 minutes. Um, so I, I, I liked it. There were my big concern, and I'll leave it alone until like we, we, we dig more deeply into it in the weeks to come, is I think Andre Brower and Scott Speedman are fantastic in this show. Um, they, they're, they're really good. Um, Andre Brower commands the screen. Speedman is surprisingly like credible and engaging in a role that kind of reinvents his career after sort of being off the map after Felicity. And together, they have great chemistry that gives this show some surprising heart. Um, I think that success for this show is really going to depend on whether or not those, like you said, that, that cast of dozens, it seems, if any one of those actors or characters can pop out and be a, a – this show needs a breakout character or two or three among its supporting cast um, in the same way that Lost needed um, a Sawyer you know, or, or, or uh, a, a – a, um, a hurley to sort of break out from like the secondary group of characters in order to really kind of like go next level. You know yeah. what I mean? I think that you're, I think that you're exactly right. And, and, you know, again, with ambition comes a lot of potential pitfalls. And I think you've really nailed the fact that even in just the first hour of this show, most of the supporting characters get one, maybe two scenes to leave an impression. Some of them do it very well. I mean, it's always great to see Robert Patrick, who was the T-1000 yeah. once upon a time. Uh, you know, some of them sort of come out of nowhere. Like, I- I'm, still, I'm still not even really sure what that one Navy SEAL's name is, but he certainly gets a really, a really cool little showdown. But I-, I think you're right. I think that, you know... It's our excitement of this show is measured by the fact that it could really go in a lot of different directions. But I, I think it's fair to say that we're both on board. And listeners, please look forward to our five-hour podcast all about Last Resort uh, coming next week. Jeff, let's. I, I want to move right along though. What's your What's your number one uh, must geek show of this uh, fall TV season? You know, uh, uh, Jerry, I'm going to switch things up on you. I'm not going to go number one on you. I'm going to go number three. Oh, he's going yeah, number I'm, three. Okay, we'll have to, I'm, we'll I'm have to meet in the middle somewhere here. One, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to work up to my number one. Uh, my number three is Revolution. And there are a lot of shows that are vying for number three on my spot um, and uh, for the number three spot on my list. And I think that uh, you're going to talk about a couple of them on your list. Um, but, uh, but Revolution is a show that I am both really intrigued by um, and have some hesitancies, maybe a few more hesitancies uh, than I do about Last Resort. I, I, I really do like the premise. Um, you know, it's, it takes place in a sort of like dystopian future about 15 years from now 
or maybe it's, it's set in the present and this happened 15 years ago. No, I think it is set in a dystopian future 15 years from now. Uh, I forget now. Darren. I think, and, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, the, it's, it's, in the it's, near it's, future. Yes. And, and what has happened is 15 years, uh, ago, um, there was a mysterious global event that robbed the world of power. So there's no more power of almost any kind in the world. And, all of the planet has been reduced to this sort of like, you know, pre-industrial revolution, like a rural condition. And uh, in this 15 years, um, a whole generation has been born and grown up in, in, in a world without power. And they're doing kind of fine. You know, they, uh, they, they, they hear tales of the world of power and they, 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 they feel, uh, they liken it to, say, how we might talk about, you know, a time when there was magic. But otherwise, you know, uh, we follow this one character, this young woman, uh, this teenage girl, who's a sort of this Katniss-esque girl, and she's perfectly at home hunting and gathering in, 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 uh, in a suburbia that is now overgrown. And the idea is that the United States, and it's set in the U.S., is there's no centralized government anymore. So it's all these territories that are ruled by either gangs or militias or wannabe republics. And as the story begins, um, a, one of these militias, wannabe republics, comes to the young heroine's town, um, kills her father, um, and abducts her brother for mysterious reasons. And now she's on a journey to rescue her brother, and so she has to go seek out her disillusioned, cynical um, uh, ex-soldier uncle, um, played by Billy Burke, um, in Chicago. And now together, they're going to go on this trek to find her brother, little knowing that her brother, that the militia that has abducted the brother, um, they have some very close family ties to the people who, who run this mysterious group. And the, the landscape is, is really cool. I love kind of these shots of, like, these sort of, like, um, uh, these these. these these shots. What's the Will Smith movie in which he's the sole survivor of a of, of an epidemic plague that turns everyone into vampires? Um, uh, uh, I am legend. Yeah, that I that's that sort of really interesting look of like you know the sort of modern day America in ruins with nature having taken over again, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of set against that backdrop. Um, it's got some heightened and, uh, and which is really interesting. And there's there's lots of fun little in jokes about you know that there's a guy who used to be sort of a, a tech billionaire, and so it's it's, it's funny to hear him kind of talk about contemporary technology themes um, in, in that kind of con- in a future condition. And uh, it, it promises to be this really interesting sort of travel log show where these people trek across the country and encounter, you know, different outposts and different places and, and, and visit different kinds of people that, that have dealt with this catastrophe in different ways as they sort of like um, uh, seek the brother and ultimately investigate the mystery of how the how the power got turned off and whether or not it can be turned on or even if it should be turned on um i I love the premise of this show darren i really do and i hope for it to succeed it's got a lot of talented people behind it eric kripke of supernatural fame jj abrams and john favreau um I, i thought the pilot was okay um if i'm being really honest i i think there's more potential 
there than realized potential yet. And I hope it it finds it. Yeah, I I agree with you on everything except for saying that the pilot was okay. This pilot actually, it really didn't work for me at all. I I was sort of surprised by uh, just how little I really cared for either the characters or even, you know, just the sort of basic setup of the show, this notion of this simultaneously investigating the mystery of of, of the blackout. But I, I, I do think that this is a series that, you know, again, we're talking about TV shows here, and I think that it's easy to, you know, put too much pressure on a pilot. I think this is a show that absolutely, we're talking about the fundamentals behind it as far as this concept, and with, with Eric Kripke, I, I really want to see where it goes. Um, and, you know, it's, it's easy to sort of make fun of the elements that I didn't like about the pilot. Certainly the fact that everyone's wearing leather jackets, I, I sort of thought was maybe doing a slight disservice to the interesting concept. Um, but I, it, it does seem like this is a show that maybe wants to be a kind of Game of Thrones style series. And, you know, even just this idea of, of an America that's kind of fallen into these different, you know, almost feudal societies. I, I think that's very interesting. I'd be intrigued to see with how that runs alongside of what we see in the pilot of a, a deeper mystery and can they turn the power back on and, and, and all these things. It seems like it's overextending itself in a way that could be interesting or could not be interesting. Yeah, um, one of the things that J.J. Abrams told us in our fall TV preview was he, he kind of wondered, one, one of the things that really appealed to him about the premise of, of, of the show that was brought to him by Eric Kripke was that it, he, he kind of wondered if, 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 if we all long for, uh, long to be sort of liberated a little bit from, from our, our increasingly technological society. And he, he singled out specifically our, our addiction to screens and how we're slaves to our phones and our iPhones and our video games and our Blackberries and, and, and all this stuff. And that it, maybe there is a, um, as much as we love our gadgets, if there's also a, a feeling that, that we're just being bombarded too much by technology, by electromagnetic waves, and we're, 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 we're slaves to our, to our, our gadgets a little bit. And I'm curious to know, I mean, which is, he, he'll be the first to admit it's super ironic that, you know, J.J. Abrams, one of the leading icons of our wired generation, <laughs> saying this, and he will be the first to say that. But I'm curious to know if, if, if you feel that way, if you, if you feel that there is some kind of, like, ambivalence about technology that perhaps revolution could tap. Absolutely. And again, this is why, like, you know, having said how little I like to pilot, why I really am sticking with the show. I I think that concept is very interesting and very much worth exploring. I mean, you know, we're still kind of in these early stages of a a period when, you know, there's all this talk about, is it possible to be addicted to the second screen? Is it possible to sort of, you know, I, I, I was reading something recently about how technically you shouldn't, like, check your smartphone before you get out of bed because it might have all these weird sort of mental things, which really impacted me because first thing I do every morning is check Twitter. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 I do think that it, it's such an interesting thing to explore. And just from, from what Kripke sort of managed to do with Supernatural, which, which wasn't necessarily a concept that seemed like it could support the epic tapestry that it became, I, I definitely think that there's a lot revolution can explore. There's a lot of space for it to grow. I, I just, I, I sort of hope that, you know, it manages to sustain itself long enough to get there. So I, 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 I think it's definitely sort of a, a, a another wait-and-see uh, kind of a show. Yeah. 
Um, what's next on your list? Well, funnily, you should mention a post-apocalyptic environment, Jeff, because my number two uh, is a show that uh, it, it's, it's, it's a returning series. It's a series that had a lot of promise, that didn't necessarily deliver on that promise, but that I think everyone is really excited about now. Jeff, The Walking Dead, uh, you know, it's it's... I think we all know that the second season had plenty of issues, both behind the scenes and from what we saw on camera. I really feel like the last few episodes of season two of The Walking Dead really managed to uh, really managed to, to thrill me and really managed to kind of convey the idea that this really was a show where anything could happen and, you know, we're just plain old exciting. And I, you know, everything that the new showrunner Glenn Mazzara has said in the off season has gotten me even more excited for it. I'm a big fan of the comic book and season three of The Walking Dead will throw the viewers right into some of the most interesting settings in the comic book. So I'm, 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 I'm really excited for it, you know, I I think it's fair to say that this is a show that burned us a little bit, um, and uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm sort of walking back in here like uh, you know someone who's in a relationship and got out of it, and now I'm sort of testing the waters again. But I I really want to love the show again is basically what I'm trying to get at in a roundabout way, Jeff. But uh, you know, what do you think though? Because you know, you and I have both been watching the show since the beginning. Are you sort of intrigued by the momentum it has coming into its third season? Well, you've watched the show from the beginning, and and I started watching the show from the beginning, but then I gave up um, at the start of the second season. I was so discouraged by the the opening episode of season two, and I was definitely also um, negatively impacted by the reports of of, of, of changeover and, 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 and the ouster or exit of Frank Darabont. Um, I really did enjoy those first six episodes, and... Um, and so I was just kind of bummed at how um, badly it got off the ground and got, got going again at the beginning of the second season to the point where I just kind of said, uh, I'm, I'm not going to watch this until someone tells me it, it, it's getting good. Um, those people, i.e. you, started telling me it, it was getting good again toward the end of the second season. So I kind of thought... I kind of thought that, well, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll investigate it in the off-season on DVD, or maybe I'll just start watching it anew from season three, because I have, like you, read the comic, and I feel like, uh, and I'm very familiar with where we're starting season three, and so I feel like I could probably just, just jump aboard. I, I do have a little bit of regret for being so harsh um, toward The Walking Dead and, and giving up so quickly, because I think in retrospect now, I think we can look back on the first season and then mini season, first season of, of Walking Dead and see a show that did a really amazing job of creating a mini series pilot for itself. And then, like, struggled, as many series do, um, relatively early in its run to figure out what is the weekly franchise of this show and how should we sort of execute week to week episodes of a show that is, like, you know, set in this sort of zombie world and is. And, and all of that. And so I, I, I think that uh, season two is about finding that, obviously finding that with a new creative uh, uh, guy in charge who has acquitted himself very nicely, it seems. And I, I can't wait to see how, um, as you said, the show deals with some of the more signature settings of the comic, the, the prison setting for one, and of course the um, 
you know, one of the most vile big bads in recent comic book history, the governor. The governor. And it's it's interesting. I, you know, it's so hard to know what exactly happened behind the scenes of, of, of the show. And I, I think it's very clear that it's a very kind of complicated story. Just as a viewer and as someone who has enjoyed the show and sort of been disappointed by it, you get the sense a little bit that Frank Darabont, who was, of course, like so sort of responsible for the whole vibe and, and, and the feel of the show. And, you know, he, he, he directed like the pilot, which really just brought you into the world. You get the sense that he was really looking at it almost as a very sort of epic tale. And I I think he was very focused on the characters. And, you know, I I, I sort of think that he uh, was very much conceiving of it in a a grand way. And I think that just as a viewer, one of the most pleasing parts of the second season was seeing how it just kind of felt like the second that Mazzara came in, there was a real kind of back to basics, meat and potatoes, you know, let's let's make this a thriller, let's really put things in motion here, uh, feeling that I, I think was really invigorating. I mean, you know, when you're talking about a show like this, it could go any way, any single week. I mean, this could be Lord of the Flies. This could just be a pure zombie gore fest. This could be, you know, there's there. It almost feels like right now there we haven't yet seen what a typical Walking Dead episode is, and I I think that's part of what makes it so appealing. We're reaching a part in the comic books where the storyline did become a little bit more settled, and you know, without, without spoiling anything, in the comic books, the settings that we're seeing really did maintain for a lot longer than, say, the farm or the campsite in the first one. So it feels like we're reaching a point where the show could really, you know, maybe find itself, could maybe settle into a groove. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. But I, 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 I it's, it certainly will be fun to watch, I think. You know, to a certain extent, it's funny because The Walking Dead is so hugely popular now. And there's a part of me that sort of wonders if it's mainly popular just because it's a show where zombies get their heads beaten in all the time. And I'm by no means against that. I'm, I'm a total gore hound. But I, I think that as a TV fan, it, it, it makes for an interesting test case in, you know, here's a show that could be anything. Now, what kind of show will it be this week? Um, yeah. So it'll be it'll be exciting to watch, and uh, hopefully it, it can maintain its, its its momentum. Jeff, we're we we are meeting in the middle now. What's your number two must geek show? My number two must geek show is Fringe, um, a show that we've uh, talked at length about um, on this podcast many times. Uh, entering its uh, final season, a thirteen episode shortened season, and um, this is a show that has been. Uh, low-rated um, uh, for, for, for quite some time, I, I mean in terms of ratings, uh, uh, viewership numbers, but it has clung to life thanks to a very faithful cult on Friday night that keeps watching it, keeps supporting it, um, and there, there's a lot to love and, 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 and celebrate about Fringe, even at, it, at its most frustrating. Um, the, this, this new season um, takes place um, speaking of near futures um, and dystopias, uh, if, if you remember the 19th episode of last season, which inexplicably took us to the year 2036, in which we uh, found out that for, for several years, uh, the observers, these time-traveling, bald-headed, fedora pasty-faced, Tabasco-swilling guys who just up till now have been, contending, uh, been content to just watch Things transpire over the course of history. They decided in mass to come to the to come uh, into to our our time frame and take over 
um, for for reasons that I believe that we were explained that the, the, that the, their their future, their way distant future, was suffering from some kind of environmental apocalypse, and so to save themselves, they came to our present, and they didn't really like the way that we are running things, so they've taken over. And um, as 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 we saw in that episode in the year 2036, um, the daughter of Peter and Olivia is now working as sort of a, uh, an agent um, slash law enforcement agent that basically serves the observers, but she's also looking for ways to, to rebel against them. And she's discovered that the, our, our fringe team, Peter and, uh, and his father, uh, Walter and um, Astrid, she finds them frozen in amber um, and perfectly preserved, and they've been that way for 20 years, and so she thaws them out. And now together, they're going to find some way to, uh, to, to, to overthrow and rid the world of, of, of the observers. And so um, apparently that 19th episode was designed as essentially a backdoor pilot to show um, Fox and Warner Brothers Television, hey, if you give us one more season, this is the story we want to tell, and this is how we'll finish strong. And uh, and everyone was on board with that, and so uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm, I'm I'm going to miss a little bit of old Fringe. What the producers told us for our fall TV preview is that we're not going to get a sort of mix of monster of the week, freak of the week, mystery of the week shows with um, um, standalones or mythalones, if you will, that kind of push an overarching story forward. This is this these 13 episodes are going to be this sort of like. Um, action-packed thrill ride that follows this group of rebels as they try to, like, liberate our world of observers. Um, uh, doesn't mean that we might not see some really kind of far-out ideas. I, I do wonder if time travel is going to end up being used in this season uh, if the answers to, to, to liberating us lie in the even further future or in the past. But, um, but, uh, but, but, but I'm, a, I'm a fan. I'm on board. Um, and I, I want to see how it ends. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, just your description of it, Jeff, I, I sort of have to step back for a second just, and just put on my 12-year-old geek hat and say, that sounds awesome. Like, that, that's a show <laughs> on network television? Like, it's the future, <laughs> but bald Tabasco-swilling guys from the way future are coming here. And, I mean, it just, I, I think that just the bare-bones outline for this kind of can't help but get you a little bit excited. I definitely do agree that I... I I, I I worry a little bit about this idea of them telling one sort of 13-episode story only because one of my personal favorite shows, Battlestar Galactica, which classically had a sort of mixture of episodic storylines with sort of a grand scheme, in its final season, it, its creator, Ronald D. Moore, it was, was very clear about the fact that, you know, they wanted to sort of tell one serialized story. And in that case, I don't think that it entirely worked out. I, I think that that's a show that had a lot of really interesting things happen in its last season, but also kind of had a lot of flab. I think that sometimes when a show decides that it's going to to tell its story in that manner, you get this weird sense that they're holding off the good stuff, and, and there, there's a little bit less less sort of week-to-week excitement. But I, I, I do just think that in terms of pure 
insanity, this has to be sort of one of the most interesting, uh, maybe even call it an experiment. I mean, it's hard for me to really think of, even for a show like Fringe, which is always trafficked and being very bizarre, I, I think that this is is really almost a, a full-scale reboot. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's exciting. I, I'm also excited by the fact that this might mean a return for Desmond from Lost, who guest starred in the uh, the episode of, of Fringe that kind of introduced this whole world. But I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, Jeff. Um, you know, you uh, when you were recapping Fringe last year, there was the episode. I'm 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 forgetting where it came in the season where we kind of learned about the observers, and we had the main observer whose name I think is September. Is that yeah. right? September yeah. basically walked us through this magic PowerPoint LSD room where he sort of <laughs> described in very specific but still annoyingly vague terms who the observers were. And for me, it felt a little bit like, you know, the show, the observers have always been these really interesting background players in the show. And that sort of first indication of what they really were, I, I remember you said that you were not that impressed by it. So what do you think about the idea of kind of turning them into what seems like the big bad of this final saga? You know, I remember we, I remember criticizing that episode and, and, and feeling that, uh, that, uh, I, I kind of mourn the fact that this sort of mysterious, deep and mysterious part of the fringe mythology suddenly got very small and trite. Um, and uh, but I also remember that in episodes afterward, um, there was there was something of a save, a salvage of that. Right after that, after that there was an episode where um, Peter finds out where September had been living in this small little apartment and uh and it was this sort of like cool little treasure trove of of of, of odd clues and i thought and that were never really explained or 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 all that and i kind of i i felt like there was a little bit of like okay this is more on the tip of how i want to see the observers um portrayed and and then i did think that uh letters of transit the 19th episode um like um, reinvested a lot of intrigue and, 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 and recharged my interest in the observers in, in, in a big way. Um, and, and so kind of uh, posed some new questions um, about them that I'm, I, I either, A, want them answered, or B, like would, would rather they be kept mysterious. <laughs> Which is, how does their society work? What happened to their future world, really? Um, that there, there are some mysteries that we, we we have just sort of narratively plot wise, like what happened to September, you know, um, uh, in in the episode Letters of Transit, there was a cryptic line that said that September met an odd fate, um, so it was regrettable what happened to him or something like that. I think mm-hmm. that uh, Walter said. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was not wild about that episode. I certainly wasn't wild about that moment that you singled out, you singled out where they went to this sort of like. Um, uh, screensaver solarium and viewed the, the the cosmos, and then you got this really really small answer, and that that was a frustrating episode for any number of reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm but 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 still, I I I I I like the premise that that we've been given here for this new season. Um, that said, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how much story they can actually produce against it, and wondering. Like where where the smaller battles and what the smaller battles are. I mean, if we presume 
that that they're not going to resolve the 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 you know rebel versus empire you know team fringe versus observers conflict until the very very end right um, what are what are the smaller battles that will be fought in route to the major final battle and will those smaller battles be compelling and meaningful and even then can can this story kind of is there enough story here um, to, to to fill 13 episodes or do we need a couple really kind of big twists and huge story turns um, do we spend six episodes in the near future and then suddenly go on a digression where we're in the past or or, or somewhere else like um, I, I I wonder but I'm on board well and and, and you know the, the other really interesting thing is this is all credit to actor John Noble who has already played so many different versions of, of Walter in Letters of Transit, we sort of saw what to me has always been the most interesting uh, derivation of Walter, which is the Walter whose brain is not messed up, who seems a little bit malevolent, actually. And I, I, I'm intrigued to see how that plays out. I mean, we're so used to sort of, you know, funny old un- Uncle Walter a- at this point that I feel like just the idea of him sort of returned to this super genius who maybe doesn't have humanity's best interests at heart should be, uh, should be interesting. Well, there, uh, there, there was a ruthlessness to him that was kind of like scary, but 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 cool in the sense of like it it made him heroically activated. You know, as he was thought out of amber, we found him kind of like lovably addled as always, and uh, but but in order to sort of like get him to where he needed to be to help our help our heroes, they needed to sneak into. Uh, I believe the idea was they had to sneak into um, massive dynamic, which mm-hmm. was closed up in the future, and they they reintroduced into his head some of his old brain tissue. And in the when the brain sort of uh, took in this tissue and then healed, uh, he, he took on a new personality, a personality that was really on fire and ruthlessly focused in basically like you know, exterminating these observers. And you wonder how far he's going to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I believe it was also immediately after they reintroduced those brain cells that he chopped off Leonard Nimoy's hand. So much more, <laughs> much, much more focused version of, of Walter that, that we have coming right. up here. Um, cruising right along, Jeff, my number three, uh, it, it's maybe a little bit outside of our particular genre bailiwick, but uh, I think it's a show that certainly has a lot in common with shows that we've talked about in the past before. Uh, it is a show that speaks to our modern age and is also just incredibly tense to watch. Uh, I'm so excited for the return of Homeland. I was, I think, weirdly not as into the first season as some people, only because uh, from reading a lot of the kind of pre-release buzz on the second season, a lot of people clearly thought the first season was perfect. I certainly had my qualms with it. There were times where I sort of felt a little bit like I was just watching the most psychologically tense season of 24 ever, by which I mean I, I sort of felt like there were moments where the twist that they would throw in felt a little bit like one of the twists they would throw in around episode six of 24 when there was still like a lot of time left in the show and, you know, just for for whatever reason, you know, you have to go over to this terrorist now. But I I think that 
as far as just being a show that has really compelling main characters, I think that, you know, Carrie, the main sort of spy figure in Homeland, is just such an interesting protagonist, someone that you really care for, even when she's doing things that are incredibly self-destructive, both for her and for everyone around her. And I just think it's great to see Damian Lewis really getting uh, an awesome chance to show his stuff as the returned prisoner of war who's secretly a terrorist, who may also not be a terrorist anymore, who's probably going to be president. I mean, you know, there's there's a guy who, for the better part of a decade, I would always just say, like, oh, whatever happened to that awesome guy from Band of Brothers? And now he's playing, you know, the sort of complete inverse of his character on Band of Brothers. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where the show goes, especially considering that, you know, it, it almost seems like the series could have ended after that that uh, that first season finale. Well, are, are, are you excited for the return of the show, Jeff? You know, um, I I, uh, I missed out on Homeland the the first time around, and I I don't know why. I think that I was you know I it just it was a show that I was very interested in, and um, I I just I didn't watch. I think I just was one of those shows that I I just immediately said, sounds good, sounds promising. I'll catch up to up to it on DVD, which, by the way, I bought two days ago. So <laughs> well, then I'll, I'll... It's a project that I intend to dig into, and it immediately went on the stack of other DVDs that I have not watched, which includes every season of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Well then, well then, I'll I'll talk to you in five days once you've watched all of Doctor Who and all of Homeland. Um, right, right, right. But uh, but yeah, I mean, well, well so uh, as an outsider, you know, with all the sort of buzz around this new season, is this sort of making you feel like you really have to like dive in, or do you still oh, kind of feel totally. like? I mean, it definitely feels like there's a Homeland conversation that I've missed out on and want to get want to be part of. Mm-hmm. So um, and you know. It has actors that I really admire. It sounds like Claire Danes gave um, uh, a, a g- great performance that is likely to win her the Emmy. Oh yeah, it's um, just ab- abso- absolutely fantastic. It seems that unless Mad Men just pulls out another one of ho hum, yeah, we're awesome. We're going to win a bunch of trophies at the Emmys. I think that it, it seems that we are we are bracing. We're we're heading to you know in the Emmys in a couple of weeks. We're heading to some sort of like Homeland coronation. Um, and so, um, but who knows? Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I definitely want to catch up onto it. I'm sure I think that I will be watching the first season of Homeland before I get to Doctor Who, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, well, uh, uh, Britain's loss is, um, America's gain (laughs) on on that one. I think Jeff, uh, let's, let's round it out here. What's your number one? My number one is American Horror Story. Um, I think you mean American Horror Story, story, colon, asylum. Asylum, yeah, uh, and uh, I think that you, in in that correction, summed up a lot of uh, of why I'm really excited about this season, which is um, th- this attempt to do something very new and 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 well, different, maybe not necessarily um, unprecedented in series television, but certainly in 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 the modern area. You know, like if if you uh, if you watch the first season of American Horror Story, there was a lot a lot to love, a lot to like, a lot to be frustrated and flummoxed by, um, and uh, and I think that uh, as, as I wasn't necessarily thrilled with the way that um, the story of this old haunted house in Los Angeles came to an end, um, but with the revelation that 
that that that the that the show is now going to be this sort of anthology series, if you will, where every season is going to tell a different story in a different place with new characters that might be played by you know the same cast members, if not all of them. Um, suddenly, I was like, I, I love this idea. I I I I I think that's a genius idea. And you know, they they have a lot of behind the scenes talent, great storytellers um, that that tell stories with a great deal of style. And the fact that they have now built into the creative DNA of their show the ability to reinvent this show um, every single year in, in in really cool and creepy and and, and big picture ways. Um, to tell thematically rich and, and, and freaky stories like uh, I love and I and I love that cast and the people that they're bringing back you know Jessica Lang and Evan Peters like um, those are some of the core players that made the first season um, as winning as it was um, and, yeah I, I mean like it almost it almost feels like they're establishing this repertory company more than anything else and and I I think that's what makes it really exciting as you said I mean I feel like you know, it's it's almost this interesting vision of a more BBC-like system of making cable television where you sort of get together this group of creative people. You have one year where they're focused on this specific project. They just throw that project at the wall and do as much with it as they possibly can. And then, you know, at that point, they move on to, to, to the next thing. I, I think that is certainly such an exciting uh, kind of concept. And, you know, I, I will say, too, that, you know, even putting that aside, I think that just the setting and everything that we've seen about this new season looks really interesting too. I mean, it, it certainly, it almost seems like it's it's starting off even more sort of outre and and freakish than the last season did. I mean, just you know the the nuns and you know the mere presence of Adam Levine and you know all all, all this stuff that it, it feels like certainly you know if, if if this were a brand new show, you know I, I don't I don't think I would know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the cast looks great. Zachary Quinto coming back too, um, uh, and uh, and and the Ryan Murphy at all. You know, one of the things that's been really interesting about, and uh, I'm now scattered all over the place, but I definitely want to affirm the visuals. Like Ryan Murphy knows how to produce a really distinctively good-looking television series, and the the signature style that they've they developed, that the, the setting that you know, we, I'm looking forward to a show that's going to have a, again a, an amazing setting and, and a great visual look to it. So you know, hats off to him. Um, but you know, in his other shows, whether they be Glee or certainly the last season, the first season of American Horror Story. You definitely get this sense that, you know, Ryan Murphy has some issues, for various reasons, with religion. And, uh, and, and, and you know, whether it be in an episode like Grilled Cheeses from, from, uh, from, from, from Glee or some of the other themes that, uh, that, that, were, that, that, that were in the uh, stew of American Horror Story last year, you know, he definitely has some complaints and some issues and some, you know, with, with the whole idea of religion and God. And um, so to see him essentially tackle all of that head-on in this season um, of American Horror Story instead of, like, d- indirectly or, or thematically, but just 
kind of go right after it. Um, I'm expecting to be. I'm expecting it to be a very provocative and potentially incendiary year. I mean, um, it, it promises to be really interesting. Absolutely, and you know, it's funny. Ryan Murphy, I, I think, for so many reasons, has become such a major figure in the TV landscape. And you know, lo- love him or hate him, I, I think that just something about his sheer raw energy level is always so interesting to see. And I, I think you're right. I, I hadn't really thought about that with regards to this season of American Horror Story, but something about really just seeing what him and his sort of co co writers unleash when they're dealing with you know when they're dealing with these issues head on. I I I think it's 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 difficult not to be a little bit excited about that. Um, but yeah, I you know uh, I I think that. Every sort of speaking as someone who went to attended a Catholic school that that, that was run by nuns, I'm already kind of horrified by this uh, <laughs> by, by this show. I'm I'm ready to go in and just you know get completely freaked out and have many repressed memories come back to light. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it it should be exciting. Um, uh, speaking as speaking as a guy who went to, I, I I had no experience with nuns, Darren, but I did go to a, a, a Lutheran grade school in high school, and so like religion and, and Christianity is sort of big part of uh, of, of my background and, and and life, and I I'm in fact I'm prepared to to hate this this season, to be honest with you, to to actually have major issues. Interesting. With it, to, 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 to be angry at it, but at the same time, I always had a great deal of respect of uh, for for uh, for for storytellers who wear their passions, even if and, and their beliefs, even if I disagree with them, on their sleeve, and for the sake of engaging a really kind of strong cultural debate, or to even uh, be be provocative. Um, um, and, uh, and so I've actually loved. <laughs> the rather heretical um, uh, uh, nature of of some of 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 Ryan Murphy's storytelling, especially in the first season of American Story Horror Story. Uh, American Horror Amer- Story. American Story Stories. Stress <laughs> Rylum. Um, Jeff, uh, right. this is this is getting me so excited because as a lapsed Catholic, I'm prepared to, to love this new show. So, <laughs> listeners, start getting start getting ready for our new spinoff podcast, Entertainment Religiously, where Darren and Jeff tackle exciting, controversial new religious topics every week. Right, right. <laughs> but, I, but yeah. So um, the one thing I would say, I mean, to, to sort of be balanced about our uh, enthusiasm for American Horror Story is. Um, American Horror Story, like a lot of other Ryan Murphy shows, gets off to a great start. Um, his shows always seem to know what they want to be right out of the gate. They, they engage you with a great, compelling story. And, and, and then they start chewing through story in huge bites that just like, whoa, slow down. And all of a sudden it kind of goes off the rails, mm-hmm. and, then, and then it just ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and so I kind of, and, and that was certainly the way with, uh, with, with American Horror Stories, the first season, where, where it felt like it started off as a show that knew exactly what it wanted to be, and it knew exactly where it wanted to go. And then it got a little flabby in the middle, and then, and then had a, a couple penultimate episodes that were really strong, and then it just ended mm-hmm. um, because they felt like they, they had to end it and, and, and round it off. And that's when we learned, oh, yeah, that we're, this is it for these characters. Um, in some ways, I look at the first season of American Horror Story as the beta test for the kind of show 
that and kind of series that they want this to be. I, this is all to say, I really hope that they learn some lessons from the storytelling of the first season, so that the second season is is stronger and tighter and focused and and, and more consistent. Absolutely. Well, and well, what's your take, Jeff? I I sort of feel like when I think back on the first season, which you know, I I, I kind of recall watching it in this blur where week to week I would be fascinated and then bored and then would not really know what I just watched. It feels to me a little bit like the way to understand that first season is it's almost kind of like this this extended riff on, you know, what does it mean to be in a family and what is a home? And, you know, all of the ghosts that were in the house seem to have their own real, you know, it's fair to say dysfunctional relationship issues. And, you know, there's there's so many moments that, that I remember. But if I try to think about it as one sort of 13 episode story, it, it, it looks like a Jackson Pollock painting, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a mess. Right, but I think what it was was a phantasmagoric, surreal, strange, outrageous, silly, uh, sad, poignant, comic booky, uh, pulpy rumination on the theme of divorce. Whew. Um, God, that was that was beautiful, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, like you know, what I look back on that show was, you know, there was a lot of criticism of. One of the criticisms of that show was that the least interesting characters on the show was, was, was the family, and specifically the married couple, played by Dylan McDermott and, and, and Connie Britton. And, 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 the, and, the, and I think that really what that story was, which I think from the, from, uh, from re- in retrospect is, is, is interesting, is that this is a story of, of, of two people that did a really admirable thing. They tried to save their marriage after the husband, Dylan McDermott's character, like betrayed his wife within an in an affair, and um, what they should have used that opportunity to uh, what the show kind of revealed is that these two people really should have um, gotten a divorce. Yes, or at the very least, they 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 pursued the wrong strategy for healing their relationship, mm-hmm. which is that they just kind of thought that we still love each other, yeah, but what we really need is to make this clean break with the past, move somewhere else, start over, and just kind of like forget everything happened. And uh, and, 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 and the rest of the episodes were this sort of like just long, outrageous rumination on how that's just a really, really bad idea, mm-hmm. um, that, that they didn't really honestly deal with with their stuff, and they pay this pay this huge price. Um, at least on this, you know, in, in their mortal lives, the the big the big twist of the end, and the, the oddly happy ending of American Horror Story was that they all died, but they lived forever within this house where they're going to be able to where where now in, in death they see each other clearly and are now able to sort of maybe work on their relationship in a more healthy way <laughs> as, as ghosts. <laughs> Um, but I mean, uh, like, you know, it was, it wasn't, uh, you know, it sounds more deep than maybe it really was. <laughs> um, um, but, but, but it was interesting and, 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 uh, and it was, it was very creative and, and great performances and great characters. I mean, um, Jessica Lang's character, Constance Langdon was, was great. And, mm-hmm. uh, the supporting 
group of, of, of characters were, were fantastically drawn. So um, I'm, I have high hopes for this new season. I do too. Uh, that about wraps us up for our fall TV preview. Uh, I'm a lot of shows that uh, I'm excited about. A lot of shows that Jeff. It's going to be really fun to kind of dive into and really explore uh, in in the upcoming weeks. Uh, starting with next week, we are going to do a deep dive, uh, pun intended, into Last Resort. Um, Last Resort is currently available to watch online, so definitely recommend checking that out. Would love to hear your opinions on it, uh, listeners. Um, and otherwise, that about wraps us up for this week. As always, I'm Darren Franich. I'm Jeff Jensen. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.